0: I-V-M. The future promise of any nation can be directly measured by the present prospects of its youth. I'm lucky to have met one such youth, Ranveer Alabadia. His laser-like focus, plans to change the world, various business ideas and jugards and hacks to meet them. And how he went from an unknown boy living in a suburb of Mumbai to now a national level celebrity of health and fitness. You have to listen to one man and he's all of 22, Ranveer Alabadia, really excited today. Welcome to Beneath the Force, the Vishal Gondul Show. In my entrepreneurial journey of over 20 years, I've had the pleasure of knowing, interacting and being friends with some of the most amazing super achievers. Each one of them have achieved success in their field by harnessing their knowledge, passion and wealth and have become the force of good. It takes years for one to become an overnight success. I am trying to decode what they did so differently in these years to be where they are today. My guest today is a young and smart 24-year-old fitness freak, foodie, fashion icon, and YouTube celebrity Ranbir Alabadia. He has millions of views on his fitness channel Beer Biceps, but none of this has come to him easily, nor the beer, nor the biceps. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Ranbir. Great to be here, sir. So tell me about this name Beer Biceps. How did you come about this? So I've always believed that your life should be about a balance between fitness and fun. Like a lot of fitness influencers all over the world, before I was around and even now, they promote the idea of fitness being the center of your life, where you measure your meals and you go to the gym every day and all that. I don't believe that your life should be like that. I feel like fitness is a very crucial part of everyone's lives and everyone should have it as an element in their lives, but it shouldn't be the center of your life. And I feel like having fun is as important as fitness because so, so it doesn't mean that you keep chucking beer and exercising at the same time <laughs> no but i do feel that when you're dying uh, you look back and remember all the beer you've drank more than like all the weights you've lifted like i don't know i feel like something like fun should be given a bigger priority than even fitness with but fitness but being there. and you started this channel more when you were like 22 23 yeah 22 22 yeah what did your parents think that you know our son has started a channel called Beer Biceps I and mean, the legal age of drinking in India is 21. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no? So, so my, my family is fortunately for me, they're very liberal. My dad's as eccentric as I am. So he was cool with it. My mom is like a little bit, She she's not so adventurous. So she didn't understand what I was doing till the Amir Khan video came out and then my name came in the papers. And then she's like, oh, okay, my son's doing something cool. But uh, till that point, she was always a little bit hesitant. But overall, everything's okay now. Now yeah. that the see mother money. So coming. we are going to talk about the the Amir Khan video, but but before the Amir Khan video, so here is a 22 year old. You completed your studies, I presume. Yeah, I did my engineering. You did your engineering, and most students or most people after that are either trying to find an internship in Infosys or yeah. you know, yeah. trying to find a job or stuff like that. And yeah. one fine day, you tell your parents, you know what? I'm starting a YouTube channel which I'm sure a lot of parents even now don't understand and call beer biceps. I mean, what was that day like? Can you describe that day? So it's actually a very long story. Should I just go for it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Okay. So it started in my seventh or eighth grade when my dad gave me like a digicam and I just go around my area just recording random things and I taught myself how to edit movies. And I had this dream of getting into films as like some kind of a film director in your seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade. But I never thought that movie editing will help me anywhere in life. I just learned it for fun because it was a very fun process. Just it was like making a drawing, but on a computer, Like was, the ability to tell a story. It was just something very intriguing for me. But over time, you know, the regular Indian thing that about, oh, go and do your engineering first, then do what you want. That came into my life. And I was very good at physics. So I thought, okay, why not do something like engineering? And I assumed that engineering would be all about physics and math. But it wasn't like that. Like, it was, especially in India and Mumbai University, the way they teach you engineering is like, they'll focus on something like rote learning. And they'll focus on how well you write, like your handwriting. And well, both, we can have an entire session on the <laughs> education system here. Yeah. In short, you hated engineering. Yeah, for right? sure, for sure. It, uh, I just got very disenchanted with it. Uh, by the end of it. But, any- but, but your family is full of doctors. I mean, yeah. you know, so first of all, doing engineering itself must be a shock to them, right? 100%. So initially, everyone wanted me to become a doctor, but I have this very big phobia of blood. So Ooh, like, <laughs> I phobia did. Phobia of blood. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, what is that? I just, I, it, it used to make me very uncomfortable as a kid. So I always knew that I can't do medicine and also again, medicine involves a lot of studying and I can't sit in one place. I need to keep moving around and all that. I'm not that patient. I'm not a very book bookish person. And and that's a lot of people are like this, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, their parents tell them they have to study, yeah. They you know, yeah. they have to make money, you yeah, know, exactly. they have to settle in life. But why did you not have all these pressures? I don't know, like, fortunately for me, like, I think my parents were just a little bit liberal with me. So they always gave me that little bit of freedom. They always told me that I should get my life sorted out. But at the same time, they were like, okay, if you want to do something unconventional, try it at least. Like the other day, I was talking with Samara. And in the case of Samara, she used the excuse of studying and went to Australia and went to all these countries. And, you know, for her escapism was about studying yeah. and going out of India. Why did you not go out of India? You could have gone anywhere. After engineering? Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to stay back in India and make a... Like, I know it sounds very heroist or whatever you want to call it but Mera Bharat maan yeah. or make it India now right yeah so there was definitely that emotion like through engineering college like I grew in engineering college I was surrounded by people who just wanted to leave the country for their own personal benefit they were like in my life there will be easier and I'll be able to make more money I never had that like I always wanted to stay back and do something cool so you tell your doctor parents who are not that tech savvy yeah. you're going to start a YouTube channel yeah So, uh, tell me about that day. um, Okay, so it didn't start off with becoming a YouTuber. Initially, in my final year of engineering, I figured that I needed to chase a passion of mine to be happy in life. And I was very into food and cooking at that point. At 21, do you really think about passion of mine to be happy in life? I mean, that time people are just having girlfriends and, you know, they are like roaming around. I mean... So I was a very good student until the 12th grade and then I stopped studying in engineering college and people always assume that, okay, he stopped studying, he's not going to do well in life. And I figured that the easiest way to do well in life is to follow your passion. And fortunately, well, uh, well I never studied, completed my studies too. So I agree on that point <laughs> completely. Yeah. So I followed, that time my passion was food and something related to blogging. So I wanted to become a chef in my final year of engineering. And I went and I figured out everything. In your final year of engineering, you yeah. wanted to be a chef. Yeah. So, you were wanting to use some different set of equations, yeah. literally. Yeah. So, I used to see Jamie Oliver, who's oh, this chef. You know Jamie Oliver, yeah. Yeah. chef from the UK. And I, re- I really love his YouTube channel. And I had this dream that, okay, you know, one day I'll have my own TV show, my own YouTube channel. So, in retrospect, I think that was the dream, to come on TV and to teach people things. But in my head, I thought I have to become a chef first. And when I told my dad this... So, so one second. When you first wanted to be a director... First a director, which my, so my parents told me the obvious thing that no, you need to have contacts in Bollywood to become a director. So over time, that dream kind of faded away and I lost my love for movie creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I discovered my love for food through engineering. And through also eating a lot of that food. Yeah, uh, definitely. So in engineering college, I took up weight training. And if you are into heavy weight training, you need to back that up with a lot of eating. Then I discovered my love for food, for eating, for cooking. And that's what led me to trying to become a chef. But then, again, my parents kind of shot that down. They were like, no, no, you need to do something. So, so how do you try to become a chef? What do you do? Uh So what most people do is they... First, do their basic degree in India, like the hotel management thing. And then, if you want to become a top class chef, you need to go and study at In France or one yeah, of those yeah. places which I can't pronounce. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's, I call it LCB, but I think it's called La Corda Blue. Yeah. Something like that. So I went to a career counselor. I figured out the whole process of becoming a chef which is that you first need to do your hotel management in India. But you can skip that. Even if you've done engineering, you can go directly to the next step, which is going and studying abroad in La Corda Blue, which is this French cooking school. And I was super determined about it. I thought I'll go there, study, come back here, maybe open my own restaurant, which is still a dream, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. so You're going to soon see a beer biceps restaurant. Definitely. Maybe some kind of a McDonald's for health food kind of thing. Mm. Something like that. I don't know. At some point, for sure. But um, at that point, like when my final year of engineering, everyone around me was sitting for their college placements and all that. And I'd fallen so out of love with engineering that I promised myself that I'm not even going to sit for one of the placements. Because I knew that I can't do a job that I don't like. I can't have a boss. At the cost of sounding a little bit douchey, I didn't want to be surrounded by people who are okay with being in that rat race of engineering than MBA. But there are so many young people who are exactly like you, right? I mean, they may have other passions, photography, fashion. They have real lives and they have eventually money to be made. A lot of them take loans and all kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And they end up doing engineering or medicine or MBA. Yeah. uh, (laughs) One of these things. Yeah. And it's not very easy for people to give up a career or... So how easy was that for you? Um, I feel like if you're really into any passion in the world, we live in a time where you can monetize any passion. So the money has never been an issue for me. Even when beer biceps was small, I went into this fitness YouTube channel thing. And even though I wasn't making money initially, I started training people. So it made up for the money. As long as you're very into a subject. So it is not like your parents said that, you know, don't worry, we'll pay you money and you do what you want. Um, Okay, so after engineering college, when I figured that I needed to do something entrepreneurial, so my dad told me that don't become a chef, do something entrepreneurial. I went and worked at my uncle's factory, my mom's brother's factory. And, and your dad, by the way, is a doctor. Yeah, he was very against the idea of working at a factory also. He's like, do your own thing, don't... Because factories in like in today's engineering world are kind of an outdated business. Like everything is um, what's mechanized. Yeah, yeah. So um, that process... Taught me a lot. Like, just being in a real world business made me figure that any business in the world boils down to just common sense. Like, it kind of gave me the guts to take up whatever I wanted. And I met people who told me at that point that if you are starting your own business, don't take even one rupee from anyone else, especially your parents. Because in business, you want to create so everything. Is that your Punjabi genes coming in? Like the <laughs> business the business and the risk-taking ability? Uh, risk-taking, definitely. Uh, business, my mom's Gujju. So that kind well, of Well, so yeah. you are the, you know, as we say, the business acumen yeah. of a Gujju and the strength of a Punjabi. Probably. So I think that's yeah. really what is probably yeah. is the secret behind beer biceps. Yeah. Definitely beer biceps involved a lot of risk-taking. But uh, I'm glad I did it. And I'm also glad that I didn't take any money from my parents because that kind of, it makes you value money a lot more. All throughout my engineering college, I used to order food, kebabs from this place called Kakori House at home. And each order of mine used to be like one and a half thousand rupees. Wow. Every week. And that time my mom was like, you know, beta kha because it's that whole Punjabi mother thing. She's Guju, but she's become okay. very Punjabi now. Okay. But so she still like feed me the thousand five hundred rupees every weekend, and I used to take that for granted. But when I came out into the real world, and before Be Biceps started, I was training people, and I used to make seven fifty rupees in like one. And that's when I understood the value of money. So yeah. I feel like that phase was important. So when you said you were training people, you were like going in gyms, or no, I used to go to people's houses and I used to train people. With time, the money got better once I started Be A Bicep. So from training, I got this business idea. Or starting some kind of an Uber for fitness professionals. So you can sit at home. And when did beer biceps, this is, this is all pre-beer biceps. Yeah, this is all pre-beer biceps. So Mm -hmm. for two, three months prior, just immediately after my engineering for two, three months, I did training. I worked at my uncle's factory. I just kind of tried out different things to see what and what kind of factory was this? Uh, This was just a very, it's a very nerdy engineering, production engineering based factory. They they make agitators, which are like industrial level mixers. Agitators. <laughs> yeah. Well, the name itself agitates. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so exactly. let's not talk about that. Very okay. different from what I'm doing right now. So you went, you wanted to be a chef you then worked in a factory which made agitators yeah. prior to and, that i wanted to be a film director yeah film director and then you ended up you know doing personal training yeah that is making people do uh, yeah. weight training yeah. what what kind of training was this uh weight training primarily so i i that's what i've learned and i assume your clients were uh, mostly women uh no 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 <laughs> not really it was young guys actually okay so um initially that's how I kind of made money, and I got this idea of starting this Uber for trainers. And I worked on it with my own coach, who's taught me everything I know about fitness. So, so tell me something once again. You know, a lot of people lack the confidence to do these things, right? So, I mean, going and saying that I'm going to start training people again at the age of 21, 22, 23. Where did you Being get from a family of doctors? Yeah, where do you get the confidence? I I think see a part of being Punjabi is being very shameless. Mm-hmm. So there were de- when I started training people, there were people who were like, "Arey Rami trainer ban gaya," and all that like, after doing engineering. So in okay. So uh, it that happened, but I just feel like you need the you just need to go out there if you want to be happy. So, so you were always extrovert. Yeah, yeah, always. So Never. it was not like you were shy. No, no, okay. no. So you were always loud yeah, and loud, th- shameless. Mm -hmm. Uh, just going for it, taking risks. Because there are a lot of people who are introverts, right? I mean, and that's part of the problem, you know, because approaching a person and saying, I'm going to train you. Yeah, exactly. How does that happen, right? Because Uh, I, I feel like, again, what I do today, like YouTube videos, you need to be an extrovert to make YouTube videos. That's what I feel because it's constantly putting your face out there, your thoughts out there. So you need to be confident, in your own ability. So, so when you were doing your personal training at how many clients were you handling? I just had like two clients at that point because I had no name that time. I was just this kid out of engineering college and I had no, I mean, I was certified from my coaches Academy, but I had nothing to like back it up. Like, uh, so I didn't get too many clients, but that process did teach me a lot. That was a very important phase of my life. That, that was probably my worst struggling phase immediately after engineering college. Plus, in engineering college, the thing is, a lot of people have these set paths in their head. And then you're you're someone who doesn't know what he's doing at all. You're just trying different things to figure out your own path. The only thing I knew was that in that phase, I had to cancel out my options in terms of careers. So, okay, I tried this. This didn't work. Next. This didn't work. Next. Eventually, when I was launching my startup, we went to a, a potential investor who told us that for your particular idea to work, one of y'all needs to be famous. Like one of y'all needs to have some kind of a name on fitness. <laughs> Who's this investor? Who I don't is? know if I can take his name. Okay. <laughs> that's but, fair. Yeah, we will talk about his name yeah. offline, but that was yeah. kind of like you need to be famous to start a business. That's yeah. that's never been yeah. an idea at least I have heard. Yeah. Uh, he said that for if you want to market this business well, uh you'll need some kind of a marketing tool. You can't because there's too many other people trying to do the same thing. So, you need to kind of break out. Or was this his just way of telling you no? Possibly, definitely. Yeah, this yeah. is like, you it's know, when you don't want to fund somebody's coming, yeah. you know what? The reason I'm not funding you is because there's nobody famous. Yeah, exactly. You can't become famous. It takes years to be famous, yeah. right? So, like, like, saying something like, they could have said that get a famous celebrity, you know, trainer onto your platform yeah. or something, yeah. but they wanted you to be famous. Yeah, so in, in like, in, I don't know if it's in punjabi or hindi but there's a saying about velvet lapet ke joota marne so <laughs> shawl lapet ke uh, actually so, yeah velvet ya yeah, shawl yeah <laughs> so uh, i think that's pretty much what he did but i i if i ever meet him again i'll thank him yeah, and give you, him a hug yeah. because that led me to starting youtube by so mistake then you said that oh god abhi to famous vanna yeah. that is that's yeah. how the idea yeah. of youtube came it was literally that and <laughs> Init- initially, the plan was to just grow YouTube to about 2,000 subscribers. No, but before that, were you like into YouTube yourself? Um, I used to watch a lot of fitness content from foreign YouTubers, like from YouTubers from Europe and USA. And I always thought that this is great content, but there's a lot of questions that they aren't answering, especially when it comes to the Indian audiences. They talk about beef jerky. Yeah, you can keep yeah, a lot of that doesn't make yeah. sense in India. Yeah, Here we, we have dal, we have... Upma and things like that, which are very India specific, and there's no one talking about that. Even the Indian YouTubers were copying the foreign guys, putting out the same content. And I felt like there was a gap in that market which I can capitalize on. So initially, the whole so, U- US- So what are the kind of channels you were watching? Which first So there's this guy called Elliot Hulse who did a lot of fitness content. He was one of the original fitness guys on YouTube. He finished doing fitness content and now he just does philosophy. So, wow yeah he's someone and he does primarily men- I, sh- I should check his channel out yeah so he's brought fitness ideas into philosophy and things like that he's someone who inspired me but there's a lot of other people whose business models inspire me more than anything there's this lady called bloggy who makes very who makes just home workouts and you know uh everyday recipes and things like that that's something i want to make it a fusion of bloggy which is a female-centric channel and elliot Hals, which is a only male-centric channel. And, and you were thinking about all this when you were 22. Yeah, definitely. At that point, like I always, so I knew that, I knew what it takes to be a good YouTuber. And I knew that I was fortunate enough and lucky enough to have those traits, which are the ability so, to... So, so for people out here who are not in their 20s, who are, you know, older, I think it's very difficult for them to understand that YouTube is now becoming the mainstream source of entertainment yeah. in fact you are thinking of youtube when you're 22 it's it's exactly how the next generation thinks yeah so i feel like when you're starting out anything that's revolutionary or something that's out of the box if you know that it's going to do well that's all that matters when i was starting out youtube people were like what are you doing you just make videos and all that like even my own family this would be like you video banana hai na? so why do you want to invest in a camera and all So people take it that lightly. But the truth of the matter is that it is the future of entertainment. Uh, No one's going to be watching TV in like five years. You wanted to do this startup. The guy told you, you have to be famous. And you said, you know what? The easiest way to be famous is to become, put videos on YouTube. Yeah. Who gave you the idea Uh, of going on to YouTube? So he just told me become famous. And I'd always, so through engineering college, I hated engineering so much that I educated myself about fitness. Fitness became like an escape for me. I didn't think that I would use it at some point in my life. At the same time, I was watching fitness YouTube channels. And I always thought that, you know, I can totally do this. Like, why not? And at that point in my life where he said that become famous, the answer was kind of obvious in my head. I was like, I've always wanted to do YouTube. And this is also a way to become famous. So why not? So initially it started off as an experiment. I put out three videos, which got a beautiful reception. Like people liked the kind of content I was putting And out. how did you promote this video? How did you get? Okay, so initially on the first day, Fortunately for me, I uh, used to host a lot of parties in engineering college. So I had like a lot of friends and a lot of them like subscribed initially. So So you literally like called your friends and said, please subscribe to my video. Yeah, pretty much like uh, please subscribe to my channel. But your growth halts after a point because all your friends aren't going to subscribe. And to get from zero to thousand subscribers on YouTube is very difficult. I hit about 200 subscribers through my friends. After that, it was very diff- It was growing at like one subscriber a day. And this was my last option because I tried working in a factory. I tried training. I tried doing multiple internships in engineering. And I figured that if I want to do something I kind of like, this is the final option for me. And I knew that I had to give it my all. So what I did is I figured it's not growing and I needed to do offline publicity. So I went to Bandra and I went and stood outside gyms in Bandra and I just told people subscribe to my channel. And that, that. that's the amazing yeah. growth hack, right? That's yeah. literally going to your the source, your target customers and yeah. say, please subscribe yeah. to my channel. Yeah. There were a lot of people who didn't care about fitness, but because I spoke to them politely, they just, so you were not like handing out leaflets to No, no I didn't have the money to do that at that point, because again, my parents, and which which gym was that? which gyms were you going out uh, to? Bandra has a bunch of gyms. So I was primarily outside Gold's gym, this gym called I Think Fitness. And at that point, you know, because you're struggling and you're already at rock bottom, even if people like shoo you off, you don't feel bad. So there were obviously like a lot of people who, you know, tell you are a... So, you know, this reminds me of Amada Palmer, who talks about this thing called the power of asking. And a lot of times people just don't do the most simple thing is ask other people. Yeah. And that's what you exactly did. You went outside a gym, hopefully meeting people who cared about fitness And said, hey, please watch my YouTube channel. (laughs) Pretty much. And it worked for me. So some of those subscribers are still subscribers today. They watch the videos. And and that jumped from 200 to how many more Um, users were you able to get? So the thing with YouTube is that after you cross certain milestones, the website starts promoting you automatically. So if they see that, okay, this dude has crossed 1000 or 2000 subscribers, now we'll help him a little bit. So, I had to only do that up to 2,000 subscribers. And at 2,000, I figured that, okay, now it's not worth my time. Because I was getting 50 subscribers by itself every day. So, there's no point going out and getting 10 more. But fortunately for me, I also started training Tanmay Butt from AIB at that point. And uh, he was kind of overweight at that point. I helped him with his weight loss. And he put my name out there. So, 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 we'll talk about Tanmay and other people later. But let's still go back to... You told your parents you're starting YouTube channel Beer Biceps... You know, it yeah. kind of sure must be one of the worst days of their lives, uh, depending on who you ask. <laughs> no, uh, again, like uh, I'm, I'm, I've am i been very lucky like with that. They're very like chilled parents. I they know chill they're out. chilled. They <laughs> must be chilled in front of you, but they must be thinking, oh my God, yeah. what would so happen? They, I feel like whenever you're chasing your passion, whether you, you want to become a cricketer or a singer... You yeah. need to make your parents sit down, and you need to explain two things: one, how much you love it and why you love it, and two, how you're going to make no, money. Cricket and singer is an established profession. There is Sachin Tendulkar. There is, you know, Arjith yeah. Singh. There are so many success. I mean, YouTube. Malab. Yes. You yeah. so know, initially, I think, and this most- is also three years back, almost three years, two years back when YouTube. YouTube only like became more mainstream recently, recently, right? So at that point, initially, I told my parents that I'm just doing YouTube temporarily and I'll go back to the startup. So they were like, okay, cool. If this is something related okay. to your startup. Now it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, okay, I'm time pass. Uh, okay. Yeah. but um, eventually they started like seeing that, okay, you know, YouTube is growing now. This is growing and. Uh, they, they just figured that if he's building something, so let's let's let him build it for at least two years. And, and how easy was it for you to convince your family that this is a cool thing to do? Uh, I just told them it's a part of the startup. So they're doctors. They don't understand business in the first place. <laughs> okay, doctors. Okay. <laughs> so that kind of helped. Uh, but after point, they figured like my my videos did have good information in them and then they understood how you can make money off it right? so they were cool with it. No, because i'm trying to get the uh, a key lesson here right so there are a lot i'm sure a lot of people listening here who know of people or who are themselves going through a similar phase and this is not only true for younger people there are people who are working in jobs they absolutely hate They are working in big companies. They are working in corporates. They have, you know, stressful jobs. They have bosses who they hate, or they their passion lies somewhere else. Hmm. And how do they get out of this? And how do they kind of do this? So that's really the tough part here. So I feel like there will definitely, if you want to chase your passion, there's gonna be a struggling phase for sure. Everyone has to face that. You have to be up for that struggling phase and you have to have some kind of a business model in your mind and something that will work and then just go for it. You have to take that risk because if you're really in a field that you love, you won't look at it as work. Like, and that's the biggest plus point of following this job. Like I work a lot, but it doesn't feel like work. So that's kind of a incentive for me personally. And I just feel like anyone who's really unhappy in their job should definitely consider leaving it because 2017 is a time where you can monetize anything in the world. People can start gardening based YouTube channels. My cousin's starting a YouTube channels for home aquariums. That's it. Because he's into home aquariums. Home aquariums. That's how, I mean, you can monetize anything. So if you are in, if you're stuck in a job where you're not happy and you also don't have the guts to leave that job for like something more adventurous, it's your fault. I have to tell you this amazing story. Uh, In China, one of our company's investors is Cheetah Mobile. Okay. And Cheetah Mobile has a celebrity cat. Okay. So, it is a cat in their office whose videos are put up in Vimo, which is their own YouTube. And, you know, they have their own Twitter and Facebook. So, there is like a house made for this cat and... So the cat is a celebrity and they like it's their pet and all kinds of things are done and there are like episodes of this cat and I was like, you know, I had thought of, you know, like people becoming celebrities. This cat is one of the biggest celebrities of social media yeah. in China. Yeah. And that is one of the biggest marketing for this company. Exactly. So their mascot is a cat, which is inside it. Mm. And so so when you say anything is possible, believe me, anything <laughs> is possible. You <laughs> know, sure. you can actually, so I yeah. think if somebody is listening out there, you can yeah. today have a dog, have a donkey and maybe exactly. have a peacock now looking yeah. at all the things going on <laughs> and make it a YouTube star. Exactly. But then the flip side is that You whatever you're doing, you need to do it with consistency. Absolutely. So I'm sure even the cat pictures, they must be uploading a cat. No, and somebody's really passionate about cats to do this, right? (laughs) I mean And I was not able to understand why are people like when I went there, people are crazy taking selfies with the cat and then that, you know, it was that insane. Yeah, yeah. That's the world we live in now. Absolutely, absolutely. The Vishal Gondal show will be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Amit Verma, the host of the weekly podcast, The Seen and the Unseen. In my show, I examine the seen effects and the unintended consequences of public policy and private action. I show how policies meant to help the poor often end up hurting the poor. I've done episodes so far on demonetization, GST, surgical strikes, immigration and MRP. And I will continue my forensic assault on the truth in the weeks to come catch the show every monday on the ivm podcast app or any other podcasting app that you prefer or visit seenunseen.in for all the latest updates so you started your channel you got 2000 subscribers you started youtube started promoting you yeah so then how did you get tanmay of aib of course we know tanmay is now becoming he's looking much healthier yeah. i was, I just yeah. saw some of his pictures yeah. and one of his videos recently. So uh, so how did Tanmay butt happen? Besides going up to people and telling them to subscribe, the other thing I did very early on was finding these comedians and tweeting a lot to them. I tweeted to tweet to them on, on Twitter saying like, Hey man, I'm running this fitness channel for India. Please retweet, please retweet. And I think he discovered me like that. And then he went and saw some of my content and he liked it. And then he asked me about if I train people. And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) I'll train Tanmayavad. Why not? And at that point, he was very unhealthy. He was was in the middle of his weight loss journey. But he was still pretty overweight at that point. So I started training him through my phone initially, remote coaching. And then I actually started going up to his house. And uh, just interacting with him kind of made me figure out how you can monetize YouTube content and all that. So even till that point, the plan was to go back to that Uber for trainers. But then he told me that just by being famous, being a social media celebrity, you can definitely monetize this whole thing you're building. And that made me kind of just shove off the Uber for trainers idea. So Tanmay Bhat can take credit for actually making or getting you where you are. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Especially in that phase of 2000 to 10,000, it's very difficult to grow. That's the second most difficult phase. The first, the most difficult is that initial phase, but it's also very difficult to grow from 2,000 to 10,000 subscribers. So while Tanmay can take the credit of making you a YouTube celebrity, Mm -hmm. who can take the credit of helping Tanmay But There are so many people who keep saying that they are training Tanmay and he's on some ketogenic diet. What is the real story? uh, What happened is that he trained with multiple people initially, but he started training with me at, uh, so what he did, he lost weight, then he put on weight again. And then in his final weight loss, the weight loss that you know now he started training with me. That's why I take all the credit for Tanmay. <laughs> and, I, and I know that you know you kind of talk a lot about and Tanmay was at one point of time posting only videos on and posts about keto and yeah. ketogenic diet. Yeah. Uh So you know ketogenic is is hardcore. It's stuff yeah. I've I've tried ketogenic. I've okay. been on ketones myself and. Why would you recommend people to go on such an extreme diet? Okay, so uh, firstly, like I'm not a keto ambassador at all. I love my carbohydrates, my ghee chawal, rotis, parathas, all that. But one of my videos on keto did really well on YouTube. Uh, it went very high on search engine optimization, like on the YouTube search engine. So that's why people associate keto with me, but BMSS doesn't promote keto. But in saying that, keto is very effective for someone who's into a bodybuilding style of training. If you're doing your weight training anyway, and if you're overall healthy, if you don't have a problem like hypertension or something, and at the same time, you want to burn off fat, keto is really effective. But but I now know so many people who are just wanting getting on ketogenic diet because they'd say, oh, I'll lose 20 kgs and yeah. 10 kgs and 15 yeah. kgs. They're just using it as a way to kind of shed yeah. weight fast. Yeah. But is that really healthy? Uh, it's healthy if you take it up in the short term because there's a lot of short term keto research, but there's no research of keto done in the long term. But so it's a it's kind of a, like a very new concept in the world of fitness. So we don't know about it enough yet, but it does definitely help in fat loss and it doesn't mess around with your health too much. So it it is safe to take up for some time if you want like a quick burst of fat loss in saying that it's very difficult to follow, not sustainable. I'm not a fan of following keto in the long term at all. So, so what did Tanmay finally do? Was it keto? Was it exercise? He, he or? initially did. So throughout the time I was with him, he took up a lot of weight training. And the thing is, when you're training someone who's overweight, you can't just put them on strict diets initially. You have to feed them a little bit at a time. So initially I told him just to quit sweets. So he stayed whatever he wanted, butter, chicken, all that, but he quit sugar. Then you kind of clean up their carbohydrates a little bit. Instead of naans, you replace that with whole complex wheat. And complex yeah. carbs, Yeah. Uh, So it's like that step-by-step process. And at that point, while I was training him, I also did that ketogenic video. And for any video that I put out, I always do that diet myself first and then put out content on YouTube. I tested out on myself and he saw that I went from being this bulky dude to being really ripped and with like abs and all He's like, what are you doing? So I told him that I'm doing this diet, but it's very difficult to follow. If you want to do it, you can try it for sure. And he tried it and he really likes non-veg. And that's a very, that's a key. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a diet where you said, oh, you can eat chicken and you can eat fish and you can eat butter and you can eat ghee. It almost looks like a God said diet, but it is not easy. It's very difficult to follow because there's very limited options. But if you're someone who likes non-veg, it is a blessing. So it makes you lose weight very fast. And he was just concerned with losing weight really rapidly. He wanted to get to his goal fast. So he took it up. And it helped him a lot, and then he just got super into this whole keto thing. Now he's off keto again. I've put him on something called intermittent fasting oh, now. Of course, I know. Uh, 12, 12.8. Uh, 12 yeah. Oh, sorry, sixteen, sixteen, eight. 16.8. Eight. Yeah. 16.8 yeah. is what uh, is now yeah. the the in yeah. thing. Yeah. So uh, again, that's something I tried on myself. Beautiful if you're into bodybuilding. Definitely so, helps. So, so can you just. In a, in a short way, describe how 60-8 works. Intermittent fasting? Yep. So, what happens is that uh, all our lives, we've been told that, you know, don't skip your breakfast. It's very unhealthy and all. But there's no scientific proof that skipping breakfast is unhealthy. So, what happens is that if you skip a meal, we assume that you lose muscle. But that's not exactly what happens. You lose muscle only after you've been starving for 3-4 to four days. So, till that point, you won't lose any muscle mass. Mm. When you do something like intermittent fasting, if you're fasting for 16 hours, your hormonal profile changes a little bit. So when your hormonal profile, so your growth hormone will uh, get spiked up, your insulin resistance uh, decreases. So uh, you basically, your your body becomes more anabolic. You're able to burn a little more fat than you would burn otherwise. Again, it's not some magical diet where you just fast for 16 hours and it'll burn off all your fat, but it definitely works. So, so in short... What I do is eat, there's an eating period. So, it's typically what 1pm to 8pm. Yeah, so you uh, stop eating at 10 at night and you start eating the next day at 2pm in the afternoon and you only eat between 2pm and 10pm. The challenge is to, especially if you're someone 2 who's... 2pm or 10 or maybe 1pm and night. Yeah, so basically, yeah. Any 8 hours, you can... You have an 8 hour feeding window. In your fasting window, you can drink black coffee or green tea, something that's very low on calories. Uh, and in your feeding window, you're supposed to get in your protein, your complex carbohydrates. So I'm doing a variation of this, which yeah. is on bulletproof coffee. So what okay. I what I do is I wake up, uh, you know, have like a lemon water, cinnamon, okay. uh, apple cider vinegar kind yeah. of a thing. At nine, I have bulletproof coffee, which is basically this single origin coffee yeah. with two spoons of butter hmm. unsalted hmm. Uh, and two spoons of M- uh, one spoon of MCT oil. Yeah. And it's a very nice, like a latte. Yeah. And I drink that and that keeps me full till one. Okay. And then I have my lunch and then I have maybe a little bit of snacks. And then my last meal is at seven thirty eight, And that's it. And then I, okay. So my, basically I'm eating anything solid between uh, one and eight. Yeah. So, but the only difference is I have bulletproof coffee in the morning. What time do you have it? Uh, at around uh, 9 o'clock. Okay. So intermittent fasting happens even when you're fasting for 12 hours. So you're already in a state of IF. No, but uh, I am. So technically bulletproof coffee is nothing but fats. Yeah. Uh, the coffee is just uh, a way to get you caffeine. Mm-hmm. So Apart from coffee, the only other ingredient in that is MCT oil yeah. and, and butter. Yeah. So... It's it's not exactly intermittent fasting. Like it's not a six. Yeah, no, it, it is. Yeah, it is. It's called the bulletproof diet. Yeah. So it's a little different. But yeah, I think it, again, I'm from a very strict bodybuilding school of yeah. looking at things. So and uh, so I'm into hacking. So I yeah. always figure out the hacks. <laughs> so while intermediate is great, I just need something in the morning, and yeah. this caffeine and MCT oil yeah. like gives you a very yeah. good energy yeah. and. Hi. Yeah. So the variation of that in the bodybuilding world is that you eat black, you have black coffee whenever you're getting hungry. So that helps you get, feel satiated. The caffeine, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and if you're feeling really hungry, you have a spoon of something like ghee or cold pressed coconut oil. Exactly. So yeah. this is, this is that concoction. This is yeah. exactly <laughs> that concoction. Yeah. But it tastes really good. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure with like all the. The fat mix of the coffee. Yeah, it, it, it's like a very, very tasty latte. I'm going to make one for you. When you, you start your coffee back, you just tell me you're <laughs> yeah. off, co- so yeah, off coffee. So why are you off coffee now? Um, I, I, so I've been reading up a lot. Have you heard of the dependence versus damage scale? Mm-hmm. So there's a scale used to rate every single psychoactive substance in the world, including things like LSD and marijuana and even cocaine and heroin. It's a scale for drugs, basically. And caffeine is also rated on that scale. So, it's basically the uh, damage is on the y-axis and dependence is on the x-axis. Anything that's towards the lower left-hand corner is safer. Anything towards the top right-hand corner isn't all that So, safe. water is, of course, the safest. Let's yeah. put it that way. It's, it's, off, it's off the scale. But uh, marijuana and coffee are the same level of dependence. But marijuana causes lesser damage than coffee. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, that got me thinking. Because I was making a video on marijuana and fitness. Because uh, so subscribers ask for all these very specific content pieces. So I think I started reading a lot about coffee and at that point in my life, I was having a lot of coffee to cope with all my work. Well, I have a lot of coffee, so I I want to learn more about yeah. this. Yeah. So um, uh, the thing is, uh, because of IF, intermittent fasting, I stopped having coffee all that much. It just happened to happen. And I figured that I was sleeping a lot better. Like when I was getting up in the morning, I was feeling way more refreshed. So is it coffee or caffeine, even tea in that, for that matter? Um. Okay, so the thing is, caffeine has a half-life of six hours. And one cup of coffee has about 100 mg of caffeine. Like a good, nice, strong cup of coffee has 100 mg of caffeine. So if you have it at like 6 in the evening, 50 mg of caffeine is still active at 12 a.m. at night in your mm. bloodstream. And a cup of tea has 25 mg of caffeine. So So, tea is much less potent. So I I switched completely to tea and my personal opinion is that I'm sleeping a lot better. And it's the thing with drinking a lot of coffee is that it makes you work very efficiently when you're working, but uh, you start getting dependent on it. And I'm of the belief that you shouldn't be dependent on on anything. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, that's a personal thing. That's why I quit coffee. But then I started researching about this. Did you quit coffee or you are like in a temporary phase? No, no, I, I... as far as possible, I don't have coffee. Like, uh, like I just... I, because I, I get very... And I only have bulletproof coffee. <laughs> but yeah, uh, only two, three days a week. But yeah, yeah this is an important thing. So, yeah. so you are actually recommending coffee is... Yeah. As bad as... Actually, worse than marijuana. Worse than marijuana, yeah. Marijuana is not that bad. That's what I, I've heard. It's, so, uh, the thing is, any substance can become addictive. So, so how can it be bad for you? What, coffee? Of caffeine is good in uh, general. Caffeine right? does definitely ha- help in burning of fat a little bit. It helps in fat mobilization. But it affects your sleep heavily. And uh, your sleep plays a major role. It plays an even bigger role in fat burning than something like ingesting some form of caffeine. Mm-hmm. So that's one side of the game. But for me personally, I, I felt much more rested when I was off coffee. But isn't it all about being alkaline and you know, coffee is acidic. So if you just make no, your body, that's, alkaline. that's, that's more for me again, that's a secondary factor. Like it was just about sleeping better. If you're into bodybuilding, you have to give a lot of importance. I'm sorry. I'm trying to defend coffee here. No but, worries. No worries. Uh, but it's, <laughs> so so. is it the alkaline no, or is no, it the no. caffeine? It's, or? it's more about the caffeine content because, uh, Again, but then decaffeinated coffee may be then the solution. But it tastes like shit. <laughs> decaffeinated yeah. coffee doesn't taste great. Yeah, decaffeinated coffee Again, decaffeinated. tea is tea is great. Like, that's what I feel. Uh, it's it's also something more, I don't know, it's less intense. It's like having a pint of beer instead of having a old monk water. Yeah. So like, that's how I look at coffee. The thing is, a lot of people who drink coffee, they won't agree to this until they actually come off coffee for two, three weeks. And then they'll actually see a difference in how rested they feel. You feel a lot better. You feel much more capable of dealing with your work. That's how I look at it. And uh, also, the thing with coffee is I just so I went off coffee for a while, and then I came back on it for some time, and now I'm off it for like three months. So, so did you do a video on this yet? Yeah, yeah, detailed video where I've dissed coffee. It's called the uncomfortable truth about coffee. <laughs> oh, I have to see this video. Yeah, yeah. And and I know that you are very opinionated, especially yeah. on fitness. And yeah. I know one of these opinions got you into the news, and yeah. that's with. None other than Amir Khan yeah. and Dangal. Yeah. Tell me what happened. Uh so what? Basically, again, if you're into bodybuilding, you reach a stage in your gymming life where you can tell who has used anabolic steroids and who has not just by looking. Look, at by them. looking, yeah. That's one aspect of it. Secondly, uh so when Amir Khan's Dangal video released, his training video. And they, that video was quite popular. Everybody shared it yeah. on Facebook. Su- on super you. motivation. Yeah. And I'm all for motivation. I love that he's motivating people to get to the gym. But what happens is that uh, when they're, so it, they definitely lied about it. And that's something I still believe. But when you're lying about something at such a large scale, it uh, gives a lot of guys all over the country a false opinion. on. Especially when you are like a role model, when you are Amir Khan, you're not a Tom Dick. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you a very, uh, I don't know what the word is. Like it gives you a false image a body like a a false standard of body image that's what i'm looking for so i feel like it's setting the wrong standards because that kind of body it's almost like cheating yeah yeah and and uh it's very obvious to people from the bodybuilding world that you've definitely used anabolic steroids so you're openly lying uh and that's all i wanted to talk about on the video and i mean i know this happened and you could have just tweeted but you actually decided to make a video to kind of yeah because uh again i'm If you've gymmed in any Indian gym in India, there are people who use anabolic steroids. Any gym you go to. And the way they look at anabolic steroids is that, huh? of course, if you want to make a body, you know, use it. It's it's the next thing. But that's not how it is. Like, uh, anabolic steroids can wreck your system. There's a way of doing anabolic steroids in a safe manner. But firstly, that safe manner is very expensive. Secondly, it's very detailed and And very technical and you need like assistant note, you know, you can just have some gym trainer give you something and have it right. And I've seen people's bodies get wrecked in front of me. I've seen guys who are like 19 years old, who are having like erectile dysfunction and who are losing all their hair and they're getting back acne and these just crazy things happening at 19. So I figured that if I have that kind of platform to reach out to so many people, why not? And if you're lying so openly, your lie deserves to be exposed. So and and uh, how how did your video become viral? Uh fortunately for me, a lot of gymmers felt the same things I did about. Hey, kya bol ra? bol rahe. and they kind of shared it with captions like uh, somebody finally spoke up and all that. So I got a lot of support from the gymming community. And obviously, then it helped my own brand. Also, people figure that okay, there's this. No, guy. But you didn't do it for publicity. I mean, you no. were not like, oh, I'm going to do this so that I get more. Popular. No, definitely. Your, your idea was to ripart. Definitely not. And in fact, even like I'm j- I, in the video, and and I still back that claim. I'm a huge Amir Khan fan. Dil Chata is my all-time favorite movie. But and Dangal is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, exactly. And Dangal was a great movie. But this is just from a fitness perspective. Amir Khan, if you're listening to this, no offense, sorry, bro, but uh, <laughs> uh, like, no, no I mean, Amir is a is a great guy. You know, yeah. met him a few times. I don't think so. He would take offense to yeah. it. Maybe I think it must just. I mean, like I say, it might just be an innocent. Uh, the they must have just overlooked it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, see, I think I gave them good publicity also. Like, but, but but you told me that some of one of his trainers kind of responded what was uh, that yeah one of his trainers they responded and they they went on like a personal battle like they were like oh who's this kid he doesn't look like a gyms I feel like whenever you're debating and you go to a personal level you've already lost the debate so you had trolls uh, oh so the thing on YouTube is that right from the start trolls will be a part of your life haters trolls whatever you want to call it this was just one of those situations this increased the hate a lot uh, on youtube so all my videos on youtube you have a like and a dislike button all my dislikes went up by 10 to 20 percent on all my videos so i had fans who came on the channel and disliked every single one of my videos (laughs) this is my 150th video and they went to video number one and disliked that as well wow yeah that's quite a lot of passion, fans, you yeah. or maybe some of those trainers who wanted to just take it yeah. back on you. Yeah. In fact, that video had such a huge impact that I have guys now who come on my social media, and if I have put something positive like "don't hate people, love," like if I've spread, if I've captioned it with a message of loving, they say, "Hah, ha, tu ne to American par ye video <laughs> tu to bada love karta." So. You can't, you can't win in situations like that, but it's okay. I felt, I still no, feel but, like I did the right thing. But, so but you okay. know, we all do. It's an open secret. There are a lot of Bollywood celebrities, yeah, movie stars, actresses, you know, do, you know, all kinds of plastic surgery, all kinds of steroids. Yeah. A lot of Photoshop yeah, 100%. Uh, helps them, but that's the part of their business. Yeah. Why are you out here to expose them? I, again, 2017, this is the power of social media. And if you're one of those people who are holding those big weapons on social media, if you have that kind of a platform, use it. Because the world isn't like what it was in 2007. 2007, you could get away with a lot. Like, 2007, all of us were watching TV. So if we didn't like something coming on Nachbalie, you'd just tell your family about it. But now, because of social media, if you... Figure that there's something wrong happening in the real world. Educate people about it. People should know more. There should be more information out there. In so, the so world. this is exactly the difference of thought of a millennial of somebody you know like you who's born who thinks of social media like this, and then there are people who think of social media in a very very different way. Yeah. So. What is the difference? What are the young people today thinking about media in general and what's happening in the in the world with news and Donald Trump and yeah. ISIS? And, so every, know, everything has become very to the point, I feel. Again, something like InShorts, which is a news app, is replacing just the old forms of news which are like watching news channels and all that. Even everything is going and moving from TV onto your phones uh again even something like entertainment i know a lot of my friends who stopped going and watching movies like they do everything on netflix and they'll use facebook and instagram for entertainment it's definitely changing the world we live in and i know there's a lot of people who don't like the idea of social media and how it takes away from your real life and all that but that's the world we live in you have to just accept it that's the world is definitely changing so you started this channel with like hardly two to four hundred fans or subscribers yeah where are you today 2,75,000. And that's only on YouTube? Yeah. And apart from YouTube, what are the other channels you are exposed to? Again, I do. You'd call my occupation as a, like I'm termed as a social media influencer. So I'm definitely a YouTuber. But if you can't just rely on one platform on social media. So, I have my uh, Instagram page as well and my Facebook page as well, which I run independently. Like, they are obviously related to Beer Biceps, which is my YouTube channel. But Instagram is a more personal thing. I'll put up pictures of my dogs and things like that. Uh, Again, and that also is something you can monetize. I think you also have a very, very interesting personal story. As a kid, you were completely the opposite of what you're doing today. Tell me more about that. Okay, so as a kid, I was just concerned with food like that was that was my whole life like i was very into food very into eating very into sugar something that i'm crusading against today but uh yeah as a kid my whole life was okay you come back from school and then go to your local store go buy yourself a pepes or anta, have it then buy yourself a two popcorn have it and then don't i didn't even eat like my regular ghar ki sabzi so it reached a point where my mom used to call up the local general store and tell them that if this kid comes to you, <laughs> you just say that my mom didn't say and That used to happen. Then I changed my general store and she had to call up the other one. There was just this bad situation. Uh, plus, I was super rebellious. So it's not a good combination of being greedy and rebellious. Uh, and where did you study? Uh, I was in the school called Don Bosco till the 4th. And then I was in a school called Dhirubhai Ambani. The, the reliance. Okay. Yeah. That's in Bandra Kudu. Yeah. yeah. That, that place shaped up my personality today. It got me introduced to fitness in the first place also. And it got me introduced to judo. So I'm a judo brown belt, which is like one level below black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was my first introduction to the world of fitness. and So what did all this overeating and all this sugar and all this unhealthy so, food did to you? Um, the thing is now, if you are into any form of resistance training, uh, which is like squatting or sit-ups or push-ups, and then you're eating unhealthy. What happens is while you're growing up, because you're getting all those excess calories, you also become very strong, but you become fat at the same time. So I was very I was a very physically strong judo player. And I assumed that I was healthy because I was good at judo. But at the age of 15, I got something called a cholesterol stone in my gallbladder. Ooh. Yeah. So at uh, the age of 15. At the age of 15. This happens to people when they're like 50, 60 years old. So, when I went to the doctor, they were like, it's it's just about your eating habits. Your eating habits have caused this. I saw order like deep dish pizzas from Domino's and finish the whole thing myself. Just like the worst possible food habits you can and think you of. And you thought you were a judo player. So, you've earned yeah, all these yeah, things. Yeah. I was physically very strong. So, I assumed that strength is health. But it wasn't like that. And um, in that phase, I also had two judo injuries. So, I had a couple of surgeries on my shoulders, like each shoulder, one surgery surgery. at the age of 15 at the age of 14, between 14 and 16, I had three surgeries. So two on my shoulders and one for my gallbladder. And I just got super demotivated about fitness and life in general. And I got even fatter after that in my 11th and 12th combined with like the world of science and engineering entrance exams and all that. It just made me very fat. But I also promised myself that the moment engineering college starts, I'll undo all this. And like, it's too much. Like if I'm a cholesterol stone at the age of 15, it says a lot about your lifestyle. So I feel like I needed that phase again, just to see the contrast in the world. And then in engineering college, I took up fitness in a huge way. So now I'm known as that fitness guy, but it started from being an unhealthy kid. And, and you know, knowing as a fitness guy, you also talk a lot about lifestyle. You are not just propagating six packs and So how is your philosophy different than, you know, the regular fitness mantras which people keep talking about? Again, I feel like fitness is great. It should be a crucial part of everyone's life, but it should just be a part. It shouldn't be your obsession and all that. Uh, I feel like fitness is a great tool to become happier. Like I feel like if you're fit, like, you know, you'll always hear people saying, oh, fit body equals to fit mind. But when you actually get into fit lifestyle, you will understand the magnitude of that sentence where When you have an activity that you go back to every day, which in my case is weight training exercise, that that activity becomes like a source of meditation, almost. That's one way of looking at things. Secondly, obviously, when you are healthier and you don't have like I have friends my age who've lived as unhealthy as I did, uh, like when we were in school and they're still as unhealthy and they're having like problems like hypertension and all that at 24. And there's a lot of other problems. I can keep talking about it. But I feel like I made like the right decision changing things up when I was 18. And I'm much happier now than I was as growing up for sure. So, so, you know, when when at least when I grew up uh, and, you know, for a lot of the other, let's say the last generation, fitness role models were largely movie stars. Yeah. You know, they were the only ones you talked about bodybuilding, Sunny Deol, Mm -hmm. Salman Khan and all these guys were really your fitness icons, Mm -hmm. Akshay Kumar. But for today's generation, is that the same? Or do you really see your channel and people like you helping or replacing that? Yeah, I I feel like it's not just in fitness, but in every sphere, icons, this concept of an icon is changing. It's because we go and watch movies probably like once a month, twice a month, but you go on Instagram every day. So you're constantly getting that feed of, the person you look up to. A lot of people, I know that they follow me for what people call motivation. Again, I don't do that intentionally. I'm just putting out my life there. And people are saying that, okay, this guy's eating clean and he's also drinking beer but still staying fit at the same time. They kind of get inspired by all that. So this whole concept of an icon and some, a fitness person you look up to is definitely changing because of social media again. So I feel like people like me are the celebrities of the future without sounding like arrogant. No, and, and I think it's also because you are you are being yourself. You are truthful. Yeah, 100%. So you can't fake it on social media. Yeah. Yeah. While yeah. being a movie star, exactly. things can be photoshopped. Yeah. And, and pe- people are very intelligent today. So they will figure out if someone's faking it. And this is something that I learned very early on. Like I was told this by a, a fellow influencer before I started Be your Biceps. And the one piece of advice they would given me is that always be yourself and be honest with your work. Like put out honest content. That's what I've always done. And that's what I think people can see so they and, and believe me, that's also about business. So at Goki, for example, uh, the whole reason I started it is because first I experienced it myself. And similarly, whatever diet, whatever exercise, whatever experience we talk about, largely mm-hmm. I have myself going through it or somebody in my team yeah. who has gone through yeah. it. And I think that's really important because you have to practice what you preach at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. I think that's, and especially in the world of health and fitness yeah. and lifestyle, hmm. you can't be telling the whole world to be eating healthy and yeah, you are exactly. just eating vada pav and exactly. samosas the whole yeah, day. Yeah, that's, that's all. So again, beer is a part of it, but through the week. No, but that's not, that the whole point is beer is not bad. And I think that's the best thing about your channel. You are, you your brand. Yeah. Already says it in the brand name itself. Yeah. It's yeah. about beer is not bad, but it's about the lifestyle. You can exactly. indulge, but be responsible. Yeah, uh, balance it out, and yeah, and and yeah, that's exactly sure. what even Goki is all about. Mm. There is so we don't give people diets or mm. exercises. It's about practical living a healthy lifestyle. I think that's yeah. really what it is, and yeah. I think that's what you're also propagating 100%, 100%. with your 100%. channel. Like a lot of people. Um, you know, they come up and ask me for diet plans, but it's not about a diet plan. It's about diet changes. Uh, You just make a few changes in your diet, which you can follow for the rest of your life. No diet in the world is going to work if it's difficult to follow. And that's also why I don't promote keto as a long-term solution. Because how can you just eat steaks and chicken breasts and fish fillets your whole life? Like, you have to enjoy your life once in a while. You have to eat real carbohydrates to feel, okay, we've grown up eating carbohydrates. Just It's about tweaking a few things in what... In, in the diet. I think it's, it's about moderation. I think. And that's why I really love Luke and what he yeah. talks about. Right. Yeah. I mean, Luke's whole philosophy is eating in moderation. Everything is good. But the minute you overdo, yeah. you know, fats and yeah. meat, you get into keto yeah, or, yeah. or now, you know, paleo yeah, and yeah. vegan and, you know, there are all these different yeah. diets yeah. The reality is that there is only one diet which is a healthy diet which Mm -hmm. you can design on your own depending on your choices. And the other good thing is that because we're living in India, traditionally Indian diets are very healthy but it's just that recently, you know, we've kind of and started eating white rice, which isn't an Indian concept. In India, people only ate brown rice. And yeah, the Kerala rice, the the red rice and the the rice in all these places and the fermented rice, for example, idli is actually healthy Mm -hmm. because of the fermentation Mm -hmm. process it goes through. Generally, like the Indian diet is really good. It's just been kind of ruined because of all these British concepts. I feel like that's the legacy of the British that they've left back all these sweets and uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like because we're moving, we're being inspired by the West, a lot of these core Indian cons- concepts are. But you know, out. it's it's really interesting, and I was so inspired when I read the news today that Virat Kohli, for example, has decided not to endorse Pepsi because he doesn't consume Pepsi yeah. on his own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether the news is true or false, but even that this is news is so amazing because part of the problem is that our icons hmm. are finally the ones who are promoting a lot of these healthy yeah. foods. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you have, uh, you know, Shah Rukh Khan talking hmm. about Pepsi and mm-hmm. Coke and fruit juice yeah. and sugar free. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, we can name all yeah. these, you know, That's so-called healthier food, which mm-hmm. are not healthy. Like yeah. flakes, for example, are totally not Horrible. recommended for <laughs> people to eat. Yeah. But I think that's the beautiful thing about living in 2017 again, where fitness is becoming mainstream, where someone like Virat Kohli, who's the most mainstream person in India today, is saying no to something like sugar. Just shows how like... Not sugar. I mean, something like Pepsi, which was traditionally, if you were a top cricketer or a top movie star... It's assumed. It is assumed that you're going to sign up with these brands. But I think uh, that's really what it is, right? So are you seeing a different future of India... Uh, with the kind of people who are now, you know, co- consuming content yeah. like yours. 100% because I feel like people are getting a lot more educated. So, just one example, something like non-veg was looked down a lot in India. But people are learning now that non-veg isn't as bad as people think. Like, it's all that, suppose when you're, when you're just having a piece of grilled chicken, it's very healthy. But if you put butter chicken sauce on that grilled chicken, that's when it actually starts becoming unhealthy. Because of that butter chicken sauce, people assume that something like chicken is unhealthy. But now... Because of people like me, because of all these other YouTube influencers, people are understanding how food works, food science. Science is like penetrating into people's lives now. That's that's how I look at it. The more education there is, the more fitness aware people are. And the more aware they are, the more mainstream fitness gets. So that's why I feel like fitness is becoming a more mainstream thing. More people are getting into it. And my generation, even if they aren't into something like weight training or bodybuilding, they at least have some level of fitness consciousness in their heads. But isn't this also about people wanting to look for shortcuts? I mean, a lot of times people are like, just tell me what to do to get six packs or tell me yeah. how to I, lose I 20 like, kgs. And you know, yeah, I, I feel like that's slowly changing. Because um again, we grew up at a time where telemarketing was a big deal where you used to see those ads of those app machines and oh, you can get six packs. So the sauna, the whatever, yeah. the sauna yeah. belt. Yeah, the belt. <laughs> it creates a certain perception in your head growing up where you think that that's reality. But because of social media and YouTube, now people know what the truth is. So I, again, the world is changing. People are getting more educated and this quick 20 kg weight loss you know, doesn't work anymore. In the But real how world. many of the, your, the queries or how many times you receive... Fan mail or people talking about, how do I do this? Um, It's not so much from the metros, fortunately. That's what I've seen. It's always like the smaller towns people send in these queries. So uh, I feel like information is kind of finding its way into India very slowly. The metros are educated now. It's going to find its way to tier two, tier three cities. And and what is the most popular question you receive from people? Uh, Belly fat. Like every everyone wants to lose their bellies. Like even if you're in shape, you still have a bit of a belly. But that's just the downside to being Indian. We're genetically prone to depositing a little bit more belly fat than other And I think also there was this thing that if you have belly fat you're doing well in life, yeah, right? That yeah. is the whole thing. I <laughs> think that is now definitely yeah. changing in a yeah. in a in a way and people are wanting to change that. So coming back to your so you were extremely unfit, then What changed to make you become this healthy version of yourself to become personal training? Okay, so in um, two two things. Firstly, when I had my gallbladder operation, that was my last of the three surgeries. And I was just sick of having surgeries. Even my injuries had happened because of my weight issues. I'd like fallen on my arm. So I was a thin guy. I wouldn't have like gotten injured. But I just figured that, okay, my weight is coming in the way of my life. And it was very painful. Like I've broken my ribs in the past and this was more painful than that. And when I was on that hospital bed, I was completely drugged up. And in my drugged up state, I kind of promised myself that I have to change it. So, I always had that goal in my head. But I was like, let my 11th and 12th get past me and then I'll figure out. And fortunately for me in engineering college... I went and I looked for a trainer who could help me fix my shoulder injuries, which hadn't recovered till then. And, and, I found, and how did you find this trainer? Who's this? Uh, a friend of mine had uh, had similar injuries, so he had like recommended that oh go and check out this trainer in our area. Fortunately, he was in my area also, which is a huge uh, plus point if you're trying to find a gym for yourself. He told me that this guy owns a gym and uh, he's a he really knows his stuff, and I went to him and he made me fall in love with the science side of fitness and that's also what I promote on the channel today when I figure that all this beautiful information he's giving me that's it's not there in any book it's not there online even these youtubers who are abroad they aren't putting out this level of information out there so what I do on the channel today is definitely a reflection of his thought process my coach is like someone I look up to. his name is Bini Uh, One of the most knowledgeable people I've ever met when it comes to fitness, health, nutrition. Uh, Still helps me today. Like if I have like some kind of an opinion about some fitness related thing, I'll always take his opinion as well just to see what he thinks. He's played a huge role in my life. And then he made me fall in love with this process. Plus, I was really not enjoying my time in engineering college. So this became a huge source of like inspiration. Plus it became an escape for me. Like it was just like the gym was my place where I'd like go and... You know, just work and, out. And how much time would you spend in the, in the gym? Not, not more than an hour. That's what people think that, like, you know, to be fit, you have to spend like four, or five hours in the gym. But what happens is after about one hour, fifteen minutes after weight training, your body starts releasing cortisol, which is a which is bad. Yeah, yeah. which is a bad hormone, it's a catabolic hormone. So it it prevents you from putting on muscle. So all these little things I learned with him. And the other thing is with weight training and bodybuilding, uh, when you're doing it for a long time. And you do eat in a caloric excess, that you eat more calories than what you need. Instead of becoming fat, you become very bulky. So I became like, I, I put on a lot of muscle very fast. And that kind of gives you what we call street cred in college. Like you can get street mm. credit. So everyone knew me as, oh, that muscular guy in college. and you know? also I always like, yeah. and uh-huh. I've always been attention seeking. So like, why not? <laughs> That's also why I'm a YouTuber today. Because it, it's like, it gives me that kick of all the attention. So how much of your YouTube is, you know, your thing to get attention versus a serious business? Um, Okay, so initially, it genuinely start after after that whole startup phase got done, I, I figured that the kind of content I'm putting out is making a difference to other people's lives. So for a very long time, it was just that I was just very determined to help people in smaller towns to give Information to people who couldn't get, act, couldn't have that information before they found my channel. Things like that. I was very determined about getting my knowledge out there, sharing my knowledge with the world. And after a point, I figured that I really love my job. Uh, and I also figured that I am definitely someone who enjoys the attention. So now for something like a live stream where you go live from your phone, that's something I really enjoy because uh, if my girlfriend or my mom don't want to listen to me, then I'll just go and talk to my subscribers. That's true. That's, that's a fun thing to do. Yeah, for sure. And they're always ready to listen to you. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell me something, is YouTube really a business? Can you, I mean, of course, in your case, we know you make money, but yeah, can an average Joe make money? Can you make a living out of YouTube? 110% you can, but you need to know that it's a lot of work. Like it's an insane amount of work and not too many people will be ready to do it because not too many people like the process of creating videos. But if you're someone who enjoys creating videos, you need to know that it's a lot of work, even despite that. And go, you just, you just need to go for it. After a point, you need to figure out a way in which you can monetize it. So the way we make money is we monetize it through YouTube views That's the automatic monetization process. And the other way is that we do brand deals. So suppose a brand, a sportswear brand wants to come up to me and say, okay, wear our shoes in your video and recommend these shoes. They'll pay me a certain amount of money. And then I'll tell my subscribers to wear those shoes. And the good thing about YouTube is that people do genuinely trust you because you do put out genuine content out there. I've always believed in putting out honest content. So you content. would actually wear those shoes? If, not just- if, if it's a good brand. Like if I believe in the brand itself, There's for every brand that we accept, there must be like 25 brands we say no to. Because it's just that the people are understanding the power of influencer marketing. And I get approached by brands, you know, completely unrelated fitness, like hand sanitizers, you know, like what can I talk about? So you need to kind of, you need to know whether, where to draw the line yourself, because once again, subscribers are very intelligent. Indians in general are very intelligent. That's the beautiful thing about being on YouTube. You get like a bird's eye view of how people think and what kind of content people want and what people want to add, the kind of information people want to add to their lives. So you need to be very careful when you're doing brand deals, but brand deals have very good money in saying. And are you upfront? Do you tell your subscribers yeah, that yeah. these are, that I am sponsored yeah, by yeah, them? Yeah, for sure. Because again, people understand. So if, a, if someone's endorsing a video, you need to like mention it. Uh, we live in 2017. You can't get away with like uh, lying to people or, you know, subliminal advertising. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't There work. is a form of influencer marketing where they don't talk about the product. But you can only afford to do that when you're insanely big. Like when you're Virat Kohli level big, or when you're like Shah Rukh Khan level big, that's when you can afford to do it. Where you have to just show yourself drinking a bottle of Fanta, and the people will be like, oh, he drinks Fanta, Fanta must be good. But otherwise, if you're anywhere below that, you have to kind of say that, okay. So what drink would you really recommend somebody, apart from beer? Uh, I'm a huge fan of water. Like, so just water in general. But I don't know, like... I, again, I, I'm not a big fan of coffee as we spoke about earlier. I'm a huge team. Off host. late, you're not a big fan of coffee. For like the last three, four months. Yeah, so that's what I, off yeah. late, yeah. So uh, the, the weird thing about YouTube is that, uh, and this is something I've discovered over time. Th- there's two people. There's Ranveer, who I'm in real life. And then there's this guy who comes on YouTube and makes videos and talks in front of camera. And mm-hmm. Ranveer is slowly becoming that guy. So anything I promote on the channel, I make sure I make it like my real life thing. If you're talking about keto, then I will take up keto for those three months that I'm... So, about. but so I I know right now you have this love hate relationship with coffee, and I don't yeah. want to debate it because I like <laughs> my coffee. So, apart from coffee, what are the other drinks people should have, which you believe is healthy? Uh, I believe that, like again, nothing except water is healthy, but you can't live your life like that because that's boring. Uh, you should go for if you don't want to drink coffee. I I'm a huge tea person, which again isn't the best decision because you're again dependent on an external substance, and that's something I feel like you shouldn't have in your system. And do you like have this really milky chai, like a Punjabi style? Or? Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Anything with any dairy is great. And what are your views on milk? Uh, so I am not of the opinion. You know, so there are all these, there's a lot of propaganda that says, oh, milk causes cancer and dairy does this and dairy does that. A lot of how food affects your body is related to how your ancestors have eaten and how your people from your ethnicity have eaten all their lives. Like, something like gluten-free doesn't even apply to Indians. Because all our lives we've had, our ancestors have had something like wheat. So it doesn't affect our bodies the same way it affects people from the states. Same way, I would like to believe that my Punjabi ancestors ate a lot of paneer and ghee. (laughs) And I can eat a lot of paneer and ghee. But well, that's not really that healthy in that sense. But (laughs) ghee is healthy, right? I mean, when you talk about MCTs. So, whether it is ghee or coconut oil, for that matter. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, what do you tell vegetarians? Because, you know, they—they're one of the big problems of vegetarians is that they're not getting protein yeah. and they're deficient of yeah. many other things. So, so. I, I do recommend that vegetarians have a lot of dairy. At least paneer, like a serving of paneer every day. Uh, and secondly, the thing with being a vegetarian is that you need to keep changing up your protein sources. Uh, now, the thing is... There's only paneer. What else can they have? Um, so... So yeah, wheat products have a lot of protein. Have more protein than people know. So about like I think 100 grams of wheat flour has about 11 grams of protein, which is good for a vegetarian source. Again, you can't compare to something like chicken or meat, but it's pretty good for a vegetarian. 100 grams of wheat is like having how many rotis now? Um, one one roti would have about three four grams of protein. Three grams-ish. So, again, I, I promote, especially with bodybuilding, where you need so much of so carbohydrates. You can't have five rotis to get 15 uh, grams of protein. I, I, yeah. I promote the idea of having upma a lot. Upma is one of the superfoods that's not considered a superfood in India for some reason. Uh, it's made from sebolina, which is a yeah. wheat derivative again. And again, it's high on protein. But then, other than that, we've got our usual dal. There's something called kichda, which is, it's like a khichdi made from, uh, broken wheat. That's a dalya. dalia. Dalya, yeah. Uh, And it's cooked with like a bunch of other dals. So, the thing with being a vegetarian is that you, your, the protein sources you are getting are not complete proteins. Now, to synthesize one bit of muscle inside your body, you need to, it's, it's like you need to complete a jigsaw piece of nine pieces. And those are nine essential amino acids. If you eat a piece of chicken, you're getting all those nine essential amino acids. But with vegetarian protein. You have to, you have to combine. Yeah, you have to combine it using different sources. Different sources give you different amounts of. Those nineties. And what is the best combination? There's no best combination. You just keep changing up your sources constantly. So don't eat the same dal every day. That's like a quick hack. Keep changing it up. And but there are whole dals and then there are the other you know processed dals in a way, right? I mean, that's a full like that's a different. Yeah, yeah. we can have another talk only on dal. Yeah. So coming, talking a little bit about food, what is your entire? Theory around veganism and we had Kuntalo here. Yeah, yeah. I talked so about vegan. I, I I heard the podcast. I loved it. I loved how he looked at veganism. Because again, at some point in my life I believe that I'll also go vegan. I'm not ready for it yet. But even I I really I have like this huge love for animals. And, and then you will suddenly say don't have dairy and don't. No, have- I I won't I don't promote uh, like the idea of like I I won't tell anyone to do anything. Again, yeah. it's a personal thing. Like I just I re- I really like animals, so like I don't want to be the cause of pain in the world. That's my only reason for potentially going vegan at some point in my life. But at this stage in my life, where bodybuilding is a priority, I can't follow a vegan lifestyle, personally. But my, my view on it is that you definitely can take it up with the use of supplements. Like He spoke about D12 and B3. If you have access to those supplements, it's okay. You can go for it. I wouldn't go for it because... Even if I go, veg- I might be able to go vegetarian, but I can't give up on my eggs and dairy at least. I need that little bit of, I don't know, umami. Do you know what umami is? Yeah, it's yeah like, absolutely. It's yeah. like a taste. <laughs> so I, you can't get umami in your mouth through vegan food. Technically, you can get through mushrooms, but yeah, no, I would, I, I'm not mentally strong enough to give up on my eggs and dairy at all. Well, you gave up on coffee, which was you <laughs> like coffee a lot. Yeah, but, but <laughs> coffee still... So uh, once you give up on coffee... And I, again, at the so, cost... So, do you know there's one thing you never give up? What? Is there anything like Oh, that? you ask. Um, probably, like, I hate saying it, but I, it'll be very difficult for me to give up on dairy. I might be able to give up on non-veg, but maybe not dairy. That's my inner Punjabi coming out again. Like, I've eaten too much dai and ghee and milk in my life to give up on dairy. It's just something that's beyond me. So, so of course, you know, everybody in India loves dairy. Our yeah. sweets are made of dairy. Yeah, and, yeah. of course dying uh, do you have a view around this whole you know there's amul milk and now there's all kinds of milk in the market and people are always confused on which milk to buy and, uh, do you have any recommendations around that um so to be honest all the big companies in india there's not a lot of information about how they process their products i don't know yet but if you have access to organic milk i'm always of the opinion that you should go completely organic yeah, that's something I want to move to at some point in my life. When I can afford to keep a few cows at home, I'll definitely do something where you get like fresh milk. Yeah, but being organic is tough in India, yeah, I mean, 100%. All, 100%. Uh, there's an entire challenge yeah. around there. Yeah, for sure. The Vishal Gondal Show will be right back after this break. Long, long ago, not in Bethlehem, but in a place nearby, there was a wonderful birth of a huge show. Which I like to call Cyrus Says A show that encapsulates everything in human history From the first homo sapien To the last homo sapien uh, Who's traversed the entire world And then come back to India This is a show that tells you everything about everything If you want to know, avoid Google, come to us It's called Cyrus Says Get new episodes every Monday on the IVM Podcast app Or wherever you get your podcasts on You get one badada wada free With every podcast I'll just check that, I'll just check that so, so coming back to your YouTube, so now uh, you are doing fairly well with your YouTube channel yeah. Uh, and you've now started even working with other YouTubers. So yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. So tell me more about that idea and what are you thinking about as a business over there? Uh, okay. So firstly, like I, I don't get bored, but I need new challenges to keep myself motivated. So it arose from that thought. And secondly, I, I was from an engineering college. I went back to my engineering college one day to give a talk. And I spoke to one of my juniors about doing branding. So managing the business side of things. He did some really good work for me on that front. And we figured that we can replicate this with other bloggers as well. So we're currently in the process of launching some kind of a company, which does this work for bloggers, where we're connecting bloggers for brands. Because, see, from uh, the viewer's perspective, we're just these people who come on screen. But to make each video, it takes us like two days to just... Uh, being a blogger is a very difficult job. You're working seven days a week, you're editing all the time, you're working towards your videos all the time and you don't have the mental space to do all your brand deals, all your business deals. And every single blogger wants help in that space. That's what we're trying to do. Again, I feel like business boils down to filling in gaps in the market. And this is like a huge gap where we're connecting bloggers to something like brands. We're just being what exactly what my junior did for me. We're trying to do for other bloggers. And I think you have, you already know the pain point so well because you went through yeah, that whole yeah. process. And, and the other issue is there are companies doing something like this. There are these MCN, multi channel networks, but it's reached a point where bloggers don't trust MCNs. And when they see a fellow blogger starting something like this, they're all my friends. So that's a huge factor with us at least. Like a lot of people are ready to work with us just because of this. And, and you also now started trying. Other themes like fashion oh, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. So, okay, that. So That boils down once again to me not being content with just doing one kind of, uh, one piece of content on my channel. So uh, I, I love fitness. Fitness is the backbone of my life. My full career is built from fitness. But I've reached a stage in my life where I figured that through YouTube, if you can definitely add value to some people's lives and you have the ability to teach people something simple, go for it. So I love creating videos. I love teaching people about things and I feel like if I know something about fashion, why not put out basic fashion content out there? But but you're not an expert at it. So how do you I'm do not, that? but that's that's where that's my USP because the current fashion experts online they talk in very complicated language. I talk like an elder brother. I don't know if I can call it that. But yeah. Like when people are making videos about oh the best kind of sherwanis to wear to weddings, I'm making videos on how to match colours, how to match your t-shirt with your pants. So again it's it's about filling that gap in the market. Well all I can tell you is I'm I am not a customer of yours <laughs> yeah. because my fashion's philosophy is only one where anything which is red. red. Yeah, I know, I heard of this. Each to his own. But like I feel like again, the, the current, the newer generation is very superficial. So in a good way, I mean it's just how it is. So I feel like if they want to learn something about fashion, why not? If I have the tools to teach them. So in fact one of my personal hacks of life And which has helped me improve my productivity is not having to decide what colors to wear. And according to me, fashion is very stressful because, you know, you are constantly thinking what to match in which bag. And I see my wife and other women and other people (laughs) who are like constantly hyperactive to match, mix and match things. Yeah. And in my case, you know, I have the most simple decision to to do that is wear red. To be honest, I'm I think exactly like you, where I, I used to look at it as stressful, but my job calls for me uh, looking out for my fashion sense now. Like if I step no, out so, so fashion is not your passion, then that's what you're saying? Um my passion is video creation. If I can create videos that'll help people in any way, that's what's hitting the mark with my passion. So even now I do know a lot about fitness and I'm certified. But I don't consider myself a fitness expert. I don't consider myself a fashion expert. I consider myself a video creator who likes helping people. So you are a communicator. You are yeah. an entertainer. Yeah, for and sure. right now it's fitness, it's fashion. Day after tomorrow, you could be talking about technology. Yeah. you could. Be- I, I do a lot of men's life coaching. So about communication skills, etiquette, um, how uh, careers, entrepreneurship. I just talk about whatever I know. Of, again, I'm just 24. So I'm learning new things every day. And if I have like a new skill that I learned, I, I make it a point to put it on the channel in a beautiful way through a beautiful video, something that people will watch so, enjoy. So, What is an example of that? What did you do? Um, okay. So when I started beer biceps, when I had to go up to people on the road and tell them to subscribe, that made me very confident that improved my communication skills. And there were a lot of things I learned in that phase. I feel like any skill in the world boils down to a few basic points. And I just try breaking down those basic points, putting it in the form of a good-looking video and putting it out into the real world. And through doing that, I'm enjoying my own passion of creating videos and I'm helping people by adding value to their lives. And and what kind of gear do you have? I mean, do you have very expensive equipment? Um, If you want to become a YouTuber initially, you just need to use your phone, use basic equipment, see if you like the process first. If you like editing, that's when you think of upgrading. And as you progress, then you keep buying better fancy equipment. It does make a difference. There are some huge YouTubers like this. There's this guy called BBK Wines who runs probably the India's biggest comedy channel now. The biggest. It's become bigger than all the others. He, he's the guy from uh, Bhopal or... Uh, uh, he's from Delhi, I think. Okay. Bhuvan Baam. Okay, Bhuvan. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Bhuvan. Suppose, uh-huh. So, yeah. he's just used sel- his... He, he acts himself in yeah, uh, yeah. all the roles. Yeah, I've seen his videos. He's just used a yeah, selfie insane. camera. Yeah, Because at the end of the day, people care about your content, what value you're adding to their life. So if you're entertaining them through your selfie camera, they're okay with it. But again, this is my Kira as a video creator where I want really good looking movie like content. Because when I was a kid, then I had that digicam and I played around with it. I always dreamt that how one day I'll be using a very fancy camera and I'm able to live out that dream now. So I am one of those creators who really likes equipment. I like using fancy things to shoot content, all that. So if you had a time machine and you could go back and change something, what would you change? A year back, my answer would have been that I wouldn't have done engineering. But over the last year, I figured how engineering has played a role in developing things in my life. But that's a separate topic. Maybe now I would go back and go and tell that kid that, you know, focus on your filmmaking or video creation at that point. Keep honing those skills because it got lost with time. Somewhere I rediscovered that love through YouTube. But maybe I'll go back and tell that 12-year-old that, you know, stick with your video creation. It'll help you somewhere. So, so, what got you here? You know, there are so many 24-year-olds. There are so many people who could record. And there are so many people who go to gyms and who have six packs. What did you do differently than any of these people that you are here? Uh, I feel like I'm very lucky. So, I feel like everyone has their own strengths. And I'm very lucky that in this particular job, all my strengths aligned. Like my strength of talking in front of camera uh, to fitness, to video creation, all that like came into the same person and it just happened to be successful. And obviously, I feel like it's very, when you're setting up any business or any anything that you, you have a very big vision of, there will be a long struggling phase where people will be telling you that, you know, it's not possible, don't do it. Like literally the whole world, your own parents will be telling you that it's probably wrong what you're doing, but just sticking with that process. And after a point, you really just take off. In in fact, my theory is that when you do something and people say it's a stupid thing, that's then you are on the right track. That's what I believe. Because, you know, if you are doing something which makes sense, then it is actually the safe thing to do. And today doing the safest thing is actually being the most risky. So I think also when you, I feel like when you do something risky or revolutionary, You go into a domain where you don't have any competition because no one before you has done it. So uh, there were a thousand fitness channels, but there wasn't a single fitness and fun channel. And that's what I've gone into. Now it's fitness and fashion. Even, and and this is at every stage. It's not just when you're starting. Now, when I'm going into fashion, a zillion people told me that, you know, you're not a designer. You don't have any degree in fashion. You should stick to fitness. Fitness got you so far. I, I took that risk of going into fashion and that risk paid off. So, I figured that, okay, now fashion content does way better than something even like fitness content. And again, as I said, you you have identified yourself as an entertainer and a communicator. Fashion was your first source of doing that. And now it's, uh, sorry, uh, fitness was your first source. Now it's fashion. And tomorrow it could be horse riding. It could be uh, uh, gaming. It could be aviation. It could be anything. So, I think... Uh, and and that's really good. I mean, you know, you have that clarity because a lot of people lack that clarity. Yeah, yeah. And but it could also be said that you're not focused. You keep doing different things again and again. So, I if I'm taking up something, I ensure that I take it up with the intention of growing it to a very big point and only then leaving it. Not, I won't take up anything that I'll just leave midway. If I'm taking up a project, I always ensure that. So, so is this now still a hobby or do you think this is becoming a company and something really you want to go spend the next 10 years doing? Yeah, 100%. At least the next 10 years, I, you will keep seeing me on your phones and your, uh, your iPads and possibly even your newspapers one day. Like I just, I constantly want to be out there. Like I know that. But in your case, t- since 10 years is only going to get you to 34, what is your 25 year plan? Where will you be uh, in the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years? Okay, so um, I'm definitely I I don't know how I'm going to get there. But I have two end goals in life. One is that I want to make so much money that I want to donate 99% of it, and then still be rich after that with that 1%. And I I have this aim of donating 99% of my money. And the second is creating some kind of a mass change. So I don't know how I'm I and I don't know in what way. Whether that's changing people's health habits or fashion habits, I don't know what a mass change will be. So anything that gets me to those two points, I'll keep doing. But why donate all that money? Why don't use that for doing something else? I like, so I'll I'll keep using it to build businesses. Maybe it doesn't have to be 1 billion, can be 10 billion. Where It'll be 100 billion. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, believe me, I have now spoken to so many people. I've met so many people. You are possibly the first person who has actually given or who has a thought process like this. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think you are going to get there. I hope so. <laughs> I the see, right now, like I am very obsessed with my work, and people have told me that it's unhealthy. How obsessed we, my 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 product is my obsession, but I can't help it because I have that goal in mind, and I have to get there. And if I don't get there, I won't be I won't be happy like in life. I know that, like, I want to make some kind of a mass change, and if that. It has to come through money, then work towards money. So so one is, let's say the money part and you're anyway donating everything. But what is the mass change? What do you mean by mass change? I don't have an answer for that, to be honest. But it's something I've always known. So I'll give you an example. Something like engineering. In India, engineering is looked up to as, oh, wow, this is such a beautiful profession where people look up to engineering. Well, Amir Khan did an amazing Three Idiots movie where we know all about engineering. No, but it's much worse than Three Idiots. Three Idiots came out in my 12th standard and I should have taken notes. (laughs) But uh, I didn't. And I still went for engineering. And, there's a full world of engineering that the outside world doesn't know about. In India, it's not taught well. In India, it's based on rote learning. It's based on... Forget engineering. I mean... Anything. Anything is, is you know, yeah. and we can have a, this is a different yeah. session on our education system. Yeah. So, exactly. About the Indian education system, I want to get that message out there that I suffered for four years. Other kids after me shouldn't be suffering the way I did. Like, I yes, I learned a lot and I did pick up skills and I met some amazing people who I still work with today. But... Uh, I don't want other kids to suffer like the way I did. So that's one kind of change I want to put out there. But uh, a mass change would be, I I don't know. Like I feel like I'm a, I'm, even though I have like so much work around, I'm a very happy person. So if I can just put out some thoughts out there to make the world happier, why not? Through like my work. So do you want to be like a motivation speaker? Uh, That's definitely a part of it. That's definitely, motivational speaking is definitely like a part of my long term goal Because I feel like if you have the ability to invoke some kind of emotion in someone else, whatever that is. You should definitely capitalize on that. You are young, you are smart, you are good looking. What about Bollywood? No, 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 not, not Bollywood so much. It's again Bollywood I feel like it's behind. It's a virtual world. Uh, a Bollywood actor acts in movies and I I respect that. That maybe it's they fake. To, I mean you you think a lot of Bollywood is yeah. fake. I would I'd rather be known for my brains than my looks. Like, uh, that's how I look at it. Like it's not Bollywood. Yeah. It's, I would, I don't want to call it a fake world because even those people are very hard working because I've seen how this world works. I've seen how much they work. They work harder than the average person. That's how they've reached where they've reached. But that's not for me. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I want to donate 99% of my wealth, like it won't come through movies. So as you, you already met Aryan and Veer, my, my kids and you know how obsessed they are with YouTube. Yeah. Already Veer who is seven in nine wants to create his YouTube channel. Aryan already has plans of his YouTube channel. Similarly, I'm sure there are millions of young people who are looking at becoming a YouTuber or becoming a social media content creator. Yeah. What is your top piece of advice for them on just for YouTube or YouTube or in general in social media? How do you, how can they make money? How can the young people out there, think of using social media yeah. to not only get their audiences, but to make money. Okay. So there's three keys to it. Uh, the first is that you only do well on social media. If you add some kind of value to other people's lives, and this applies to any business, if you give someone value, that's when the customers will return. So add value. Secondly, do it with consistency. It's like a lot of work and it'll take a lot out of you. But if you want to make it big, like you have to hustle very hard. Uh, and the third Again, I don't like talking about this much, but when you are on social media, this is a new age of celebrity hood. I don't know if you can call it that. But what happens is that there's immediate responses and there's immediate validation and immediate hate. So if you're not someone who has a thick skin, don't go into this field. Because there's another whole extreme of cyber bullying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. I, I know bloggers... Who have left their jobs purely because of the hate. They can't take how much hate there is. And the thing, it's a part of being famous in 2017. Like you will get people who will tell you that you're a piece of shit. But you just have to get past that. I mean, they are. that's what their full-time people just use this as their to remove their frustration, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like heal people, heal people, but hurt people, hurt people. So like it's the problem lies with them. But it's a part of living in this world. And that's also the change I'm talking about. Like uh, there's this influencer from a, a USA called Gary Vaynerchuk and he promotes the idea about motivation as content. He says that if you have the ability to put out positivity into the real world, put it out there. Like if, uh, because there's so much negativity on the internet, if you're an influencer, you have the ability to just kind of at least push away a little bit of the negativity through your thoughts and your videos and your content so he's requested influencers to do that and that's something i follow consciously on my channel where i continuously put out positivity and i don't respond to any negativity so and that's worked for me a lot so i would if you're a young influencer watching this that's another thought but i think this is not just for a young influencer i would say this is in general i think you know a lot of people who are now on facebook and twitter get fights get into fights with others and you know are commenting and you know And that's exactly, I think this is a problem with everybody on social media, including presidents and Bollywood stars and ministers and journalists, right? I mean, this is a place where if you don't like something, just ignore it and move on. You know, if you're going to you know fight with every dog who barks on the road, you're never going to reach your destination. Yeah, exactly. So I agree. Uh, And that's also where the other thing about consistency comes into play. A lot of people can't keep up with the consistency because they stop. And look at all the dogs. or look at no, It's not just the dogs. It's your own friends and family people telling you that why you're doing this. And I was starting a zillion people. My whole gym told me that why are you doing this? You don't even... You're not even that big. Which is true. I'm not like the most buff guy. One, because I don't do steroids. Two, because i that's not the kind of body I'm chasing. I'm chasing just health. So a lot of people told me that it can't happen. But you just continuously get past it. Every stage people are going to tell you that it can't happen. But if you keep going forward one day, just your... Like what you've achieved will kind of shut down. Those believe stores. in yourself. Yeah. I mean, believe in yourself yeah. and that's really yeah. what you want. But at the same time, you have to put out value. So if there are people who believe in themselves, but they go and start a YouTube channel, but they're not adding any value to anyone's life. So you need to answer at the end of the day, if you want to take this up as your career, if it's a career, that means you're making money and you'll only make money if you're running a business and you'll only run a business if you're adding value. I must tell you, Ranveer, you know, some of the stuff you have said is more insightful than what I've heard from some CEOs and people who are way smarter than me. So really hats off thank to you. And I think that so. kind of really resonates on why you've been able to do this so successfully. And I think it's quite clear that whatever you do in the future will be amazing. Thank, thank but, you so. but before I go that. I want to understand what is your daily routine. What do you, you personally do in your life to be energetic and do? Because you have a stressful life, to making yeah. all these videos and yeah. responding to sponsors and all of that. Yeah. So, um, sh- should I take you through my day, or should I just give you like life hacks? Whatever, whatever you feel like. Uh, okay, so I'll quickly take you through my day, but I'll I'll tell you two more important things that have helped me yeah. like throughout. So my day. Firstly, I'm a morning person, but since I started YouTube. You'll hear a lot of creatives, creative people telling you this, where they say that your brain works much better creatively at night. So I work late into the night. I work till like 4 or 5 a.m. And because I'm into bodybuilding, you need to back that up with sleep. So I sleep a lot. I sleep for at least 8 hours. So that I get up at around 12, 1. But from the moment we get up at like 12, 1 o'clock till that 4 a.m., we'll continuously work with like a few breaks in the middle for the gym, for whatever, just to chill a little bit, take a step back. But we're working seven days a week. Me and my team, like, and they all create, they're all in that same boat. They want to achieve something big and they're all in that creative field. They love making video content. So we work almost. So you're not one of those guys who will wake up at six in the morning. Uh, and do things. I do want to become that person and I've tried it, but I, I don't want to put it that way. But my job probably doesn't allow, allow me to do that because I just work. See, my job is to put out great videos out there and my artistic brain works only at that time. So I feel like you should listen to your body, listen to whatever your mind wants. And if I want to sleep that much and work late into the night, so be it. It's worked for me till now for two years. So might as well work for me forever. Okay. But in saying all that, I'll come to like the main life hacks that have really worked for me. And if the people have been hearing the podcast till this point, and if you have only one thing to take away from the whole podcast, just take this away where I feel like anything, whether it's in business, whether it's any long-term goal you have, it always boils down to short-term tasks. So I just maintain a task book where I'll break down everything into tasks for the day. And my only focus is on knocking off those tasks for like one day. So that's one thing I definitely... And you use a book like on a paper or yeah, using... Yeah, it has to be in my own dirty little handwriting. Like, and that's what works for me. And it's worked for me since school. Like right from school, whatever, history, question answers, geography, notebook. Like that. that's how... So it, a simple task list yeah, yeah. is what... Yeah. You can achieve anything with just following up on all your tasks. Uh also very importantly, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs like have a have a lot of nice ideas, but ideas don't mean anything if they're not executed on. So especially people my age like don't execute enough on ideas. This is what I've seen. And that's been the one difference. That if I have an idea about anything, whether I'm at a party and we come up with a nice fitness idea for a video, I'll I'll take my phone, at least write it down and add it to my uh, schedule or my, or yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. I, you know, in the middle of a meeting, I'll say, just hold and I'll write the yeah. idea down and on. It's, it's yeah, a very, it's, it's a very, very good thing. And that'll only happen if you really love your work, if you're thinking about your work. All day. Yeah. And then, you know, when I'm like in a plane or when I'm traveling, I just go and open all these. Yeah. And sometimes, like, what the hell did I write? There are <laughs> these two words and then I'm trying to figure yeah. out what the idea was, yeah. but then yeah. Yeah. it comes back. It's yeah. like giving yourself a nudge. Yeah. But again, even writing it is it's still in that idea form. I feel like a lot of people aren't able to get it from that book into the real world. So actually executing on those ideas that you write down in your book is very important. And again, to execute on it, it boils down to those tasks. So write down your ideas, write down the tasks and keep executing on them. But secondly, and very importantly, and this is something I figured very early on in beer biceps. Uh, so my happiness comes from my career. Like if I do well, my progress in my career, that, means I'm happy. Every time I cross a milestone, those are the happiest days of my life. Like in terms of subscribers or whatever, I'm very thrilled that day. But I feel like that's not the only goal for a human being in life. And at the sound of sounding, at the cost of sounding a little bit um, flaky or whatever, I feel like everyone should have like some kind of a spiritual goal, not to have a spiritual goal, but because if you have like some other goal other than your career and your real life goal, it gives you peace and the kind of mental, um, Calm to also focus on your career. So, so, you do meditate, I presume. Yeah, yeah, I meditate a lot, like, and I've been meditating every day for the past two years since I started BO Biceps. It initially started only to cope with my muscle recovery. Uh, I'd read this article about how meditation helps your body recover, and from a bodybuilding perspective, I started like that. But after a point, I figured out how much value it's adding to my own career, where it just gives you way more clarity of thought, it gives you a lot of self awareness. And it gives you more than anything for me. Again, I'm a creators person. It gives me a lot of creative ideas. And also I work, I have very long working hours and I feel like it. it's kind of like a refueling. I get like, and then how day. much time do you meditate and do you use like a, like for, a system or like I meditate for a minimum of like five minutes. And on three days, I'll meditate for a maximum of 20, 25 minutes. That's it every day. Uh, this works like the gym where as long as you're doing it every single day, that's when you will see progress. If you just do it once in a while, you won't see any progress. But you you might do it for two, three weeks and not see any change in your real life. But I promise you, after three weeks of doing it continuously. And so- this is like a guided meditation? Or no, it's just- it's literally sitting in one place, taking a deep breath and saying Om. I do Om chanting. There's different forms of meditation. I do Om chanting personally. I've put out videos on meditation on the channel as well. So like just for beginners, that is the single biggest uh difference that I did in my daily life that had a huge impact on my career. Well, I have to tell you a hack on meditation, which I I have this device called the Muse. Okay. So it's like a headband which you wear and while meditating, it can actually detect your brain activity. Okay. And it kind of tells you how calm your brain is. Okay. So it not only meditates, but in my case, it tells calm percentage. And of course, I'm trying to improve it because a lot of times you might be meditating, but your monkey yeah. brain is still moving yeah. all around. It yeah, takes a lot so, of time. So it kind of, it's a it's a tool. I'm not saying it is the best, but I used it a lot and yeah. it helped me. For me, I, again, I've been meditating a lot for two years and I still can't keep my brain calm. But it's not about uh, what happens during your meditation. Your meditation has a role to play in the rest of your day. Um You know how, suppose you're angry and you can't, sometimes you can't control what you say when you're angry. Suppose you're pissed off at like your brother or something and you end up saying something you don't really mean It's because your your brain is much it's not in a place to make the correct decision and what meditation does is it if you long term meditation it'll make you so calm that in your daily life you're always in a great place to make a decision so one of the things which I heard and again a very interesting insight I got from somebody I met recently he talked about meditation brings latency in your life and okay. what he meant by latency was a lot of times we just snap, we just get angry. Yeah. Yeah. Using meditation you can build that latency, that zero point one second where if there is something which affects you and that yeah. small latency which gets added which calms you suddenly. Hundred yeah, percent. And I think that's really what happens yeah. and if yeah, the- you are able to get that latency. Yeah. And again, this is a situation we're talking about getting angry, but that spills over to everything from business decisions. Not angry. There are like there are many yeah. other emotional states, yeah. feeling yeah. jealous, yeah. you know, or you know, feeling whatever, angry, yeah. or feeling frustrated. Yeah. There are so many emotions yeah. which come in. There, there are, there are also like these studies done on meditation. Uh, like actual studies long-term studies which show and improve gyrification in your brain your gyrification are the number of folds in your brain and the number of folds are related to your processing power so effectively you're literally giving your brain a workout just by those 20 minutes of calm every day so apart from fashion we know now that you're getting yeah. what are the other objects you own? oh i so i don't um again I have this policy call me stingy or whatever but if i feel like if you're a young entrepreneur especially, uh, I read like this quote by Warren Buffet where he said that large uh, fortunes are made by small increments so I really and I feel like working as a fitness trainer for some time at 750 rupees an hour taught me a lot about the value of money so I don't I make it a point not to invest in like very big things I keep everything like minimal again from a fashion perspective the good thing about being a blogger is that you get a lot of free stuff yep. So <laughs> that works for me but I don't invest so what are the last five things you bought which are not fashion. Uh, my, the last five things I bought with my own money were all um, equipment for my channel. Uh, because I recently upgraded on all my equipment. So we bought like a new computer, cameras, all that. Uh, my, my full currently for the last two years and pro- probably for the next five years, my whole life is about like my career. So everything is centered around it. Like I don't live, like I don't know what day of the week it is, but I know how many days away my next release date is. So how do you unwind? Through meditation. Like, I'm, I know, I know it sounds too crazy, like, but it's reached that point where meditation has become a form of recreation for me. And um, to be honest, I don't feel like the kind of work I do needs a lot of unwinding, because I unwind through my work. Like, I, again, it's it might be wrong. Like, this is probably the definition of being a workaholic. But it is like that a lot of times I'll be very uneasy on an off day. So I've, I've, I've started dating someone and they've told me that I'm too into my work and I need off days. And they or she, she, she okay. yeah Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she's told me that I need off days because I work too much. And on my off days, I feel very uncomfortable. So I've just stopped taking off days. I'll go on like a date because I don't look at my work as work. Like it's video creation. It's something I've wanted to do since I'm 11, 12 years old. So why not? That's my main work. But sometimes, you know, like it's, it's about expanding beyond social media that I consider work. So recently, I've been getting a little bit stressed with work. But again, that gets squared. So too. do you travel? Do you love traveling? I do. I feel like I, I've reached a point in my life where I need a vacation every three months. Because as much as I love my work, you just need a break once in a while to completely disconnect. And, and where was your last break? Uh, I went to the Himalayas, actually, for like a trek, which is again something related. To fitness. And of course, you did this 100 kilometer trek with us. <laughs> yeah. That was quite an experience. Exactly. That was also that was a very good disconnect for me incredible and we've already seen your your videos it was was, i I saw you on the trail there man it was very very hardcore one of the best experiences i've had and it changes you right i mean you think it is i mean it is it is possibly one of the most enduring thing anybody can 100% and there was a point in that 100 kilometer trek where my brain just switched off and my body was working you kind of go into a trance you know your body switches off and your brain is working yeah it is it's incredible, weird experience. But that's the main reason I I wanted to do that trek was to get that kind of extreme experience and see what your body. So, so one from. book, one movie, and one song you recommend everybody. Uh, okay. Interestingly enough, so I I I read books, but I'm not a big book reader. Uh, I I read all the time. That's probably another way I unwind, which I didn't mention earlier. Like I read a lot online. Like I'll only read things that add some kind of value to my life. So whether that's philosophy or history. Or um, business skills or life skills, quote that like self motivation, all that. That's the kind of stuff I read. So I don't have a book to give you. Uh, YouTube or the, a blog or a YouTube channel. Uh Okay, I'll give you like a YouTube channel. A great YouTube channel that I've learned uh, life skills from is this thing called Charisma on Command. Uh, Charisma on Command. Yeah. So he teaches you how to interact with people, how to uh, how to be in business situations, how to be with in a friend group, social situations. He breaks down. Uh, the charismas of like celebrities things like so you'll get to learn a lot about how the human brain works just through that one channel Uh, again that's one reason I feel like YouTube is a beautiful new age technology so so then who are the people you recommend you should follow uh, or subscribe to on YouTube or Instagram or anywhere else Uh, if you want to gain something if you want to develop by yourself definitely YouTube is your go to that's what I feel that's the truth about living in the modern day so one's definitely charisma on command Secondly, Sadhguru, not from a meditation and spiritual perspective, but a lot of the logic he has on life, I feel like applies to even things like business. It's, it's replicable. Uh, Sadhguru is the second. And the third would probably be uh, like my channel. Like, Of course, I, I'm sure everybody <laughs> listening so, by, so far would have already by now subscribed yeah, to your channels yeah. and given you at yeah. least 15 more views. <laughs> Thank you so much, okay, guys. Thank you so much, guys. But um, my channel is like basically a collection of not just fitness and fashion, but I also talk a lot about life skills. And those are things I've picked up from years of like reading things online.
1: And on what podcast. movies
0: do you recommend? Um, movie for me, I don't know if I recommend this, but I, I, my favorite movie of all time is a movie called Forrest Gump. Because the core of, course, yeah. of that movie is that you just, if you're a good person, like shit will fall in your lap. Yeah. So like, and that's something I really believe. That like whether it's interacting with people in daily life or even through my content, I never tried to make any hate content, even though this the whole theory about hate spreads faster than love. Now you can argue that Amir Khan was like in a way a kind of hate content, but I didn't have any hate in my heart for him. Like I didn't want to diss him. It was more about educating like the masses. And the third question was there's some Music. Music, okay. Um I listened to like a like from if I'd advise you guys to listen to music. A lot of Bob Marley songs have like some deep meanings behind them. So if you really want to get into self-development music, I'd recommend something like Bob Marley for sure. But personally, I listen to a lot of hip hop because <laughs> and a lot of Yeah, I must tell you, Ranveer, it has been an absolute a pleasure. And no I much. can tell you, I'm guaranteeing you that we're going to bring you back on the show because you're <laughs> just 24. It. And I'm sure, you know, in the next few years would have done... So much more. Yeah, All so. the very best, and Thank you, you so have uh, my complete support in Thank whatever you so are much. doing. Thank you so, much, so uh, much. Thanks a lot, once again. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. Sorry to say, but there's been a slight delay due to the apocalypse having suddenly begun. As you can see, there's death, destruction, and chaos taking place all around us. But don't you worry, food and drinks will be served shortly, and I would recommend checking out IVM Podcasts to get some of your favorite Indian podcasts. We'll keep you going till this whole thing blows over. Thank you.